from Sydney to Toronto to London, from New York to LA, and all points around the globe. Welcome to the My Buddy Butch Talk Show, coming to you from the sprawling MBB Radio Network studios. Now, call the dog, get the kids, feed the fish, and let the cat out. Here are the hosts of our show, the man who wants to mow your lawn, Jeff Marginian, and the dog behind the man, our executive producer, and everyone's buddy, Butch. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the My Buddy Butch Show. I'm your host, Jeff Marginian, and we're also here, of course, with Butch, as usual. And uh, he's kind of conked out. He's asleep at the switch over there at the board. So if you hear any snoring, his head hit the... uh, a mic switch, and he is snoring into his. He'll be snoring into his microphone. <laughs> so that's him, not me. Just so everybody knows, we have a jam-packed hour for you. We have attorney Rebecca Lusk, L-U-S-K. She is from uh, a law firm near Baltimore, Maryland, Columbia, actually, and she's going to be here to talk to us about a case. She's been working on where a police officer uh, had shot the family dog of who he was investigating. And, you know, it's nice to talk to Rebecca. I think she's going to be one of our uh, regular contributors here in the future. And there are a lot of legislation and pet laws and things like that going on all around the country. And as as you know, it differs from community to community, from the city to the state to the national level in many cases. So I'm glad to have her uh, to talk to about these issues, and we'll get more into that. And if you have any questions, uh, email us at butch at mybuddybutch.com, legal type things for your pet, and maybe Rebecca, we can get her to answer some of them, okay? Now, also we have... Melanie Brooks. Melanie Brooks is the author of a great series of books called the Spencer Nation series, and it's for children. And this is is very well done. I'm very impressed with these books. Uh, very well illustrated, very well put together. And Spencer goes to St. Louis, uh, Spencer's Savannah. There's some new ones that are out, and she's working on some more. But these books, part of the proceeds are to go to feed hungry children right here in the United States. So this is important. And also Pepsi is, uh, she's part of a contest with Pepsi where we can all go and vote. So right after this message, we will be back and with Rebecca Lusk. Jeff and Butch will be right back on the My Buddy Butch Talk Show. If you're a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, like me, coming home can be harder than expected. I felt a little out of place, but it turns out I wasn't alone. At IAVA.org, there's a free online community of thousands of OIF and OEF vets who've got your back here, just like they did over there. So now, I'm never alone. I can get the resources I need and talk to tons of people who understand where I'm coming from. Whether it's navigating the GI Bill or VA hospitals, managing the transition home, or meeting people you can share stories with, You'll find it at IAVA.org. Even if it's just everyday stuff, like getting tips on where to find a nice sweater for my dog. Did he just say that? Okay, maybe not that, but everything else. No matter where you are, 
Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. Join our community at IAVA.org. We've got your back. Brought to you by Iraq, Afghanistan Veterans of America and the Ad Council. Okay. We have with us Rebecca Lusk, L-U-S-K. She's from the Thanel Law Firm in Columbia. Now, I... Running across the news, you know, we do the My Buddy Butch Extra during the middle of the week, and we kind of update people on pet news and, you know, family-type news and everything. And I ran across Rebecca in this, uh, the article in the Baltimore Sun, and so I thought I'd give her a call to see if she would be uh, interested in coming on, and I'm glad to say that she's with us today. Rebecca, thanks for being with us. No problem. Glad to be here. Great. Well, we're glad to have you. And let's talk a little bit about the uh, the article in the Baltimore Sun. I didn't report on it uh, here because of the fact that I wanted to get you on to talk a little bit about uh, this whole thing. Can you give us a little background on that? Well, sure. Um, the Baltimore Sun had actually started where they were interested in uh, talking to me specifically about the kind of growing demand for animal law and that expertise and kind of how the law is evolving in Maryland and also kind of throughout the country. Um, and they spoke, to, they spoke to me and they spoke to a couple other uh, attorneys in Maryland. However, once I started talking to them, I told them a little bit about one of my, actually one of my biggest animal law cases right now, which involves the police, uh, the sheriff's department in Frederick, uh, shooting one of my client's dog um, without provocation and without warning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they started focusing more on that case. I told them a lot about what was happening, and then they ended up, you know, doing a, I guess, a photo shoot of me with my client and the dog, who luckily lived, um, oh, which was quite amazing, actually, that the, that the dog lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I mean that's how the the article started. Um, I think you know it actually got a lot of press. Not you know Baltimore Sun ran the article. It got picked up by a bunch of other newspapers across the country. And then we did a short segment on MSNBC with my client um, and I just talking about the about the case. Okay. Now in this uh, type of instance, and I've heard of these. Uh, around the country over the last year um, there have been some instances where you know someone's pit bull or someone's large dog jumped through the screen door when the police were knocking you've heard of these yeah yeah they're happening all over the place I mean there are a lot of incidents where it's like pit bulls or an aggressive type of dog or you know they're there for um, you know a search warrant or to arrest someone um, my case is, I actually think it's, a fairly, it's pretty different than that in that, um, first of all, it was a lab that was shot. It was a chocolate lab. She's seven years old, uh, about 100, a little over 100 pounds, but, you know, never really can run that fast, kind of waddles around, as the owners say. Mm-hmm. think is more interested in treats and, you know, wagging, wagging her tail at everyone rather than, you know, doing anything aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police officers were there purely to serve a body attachment, which just is pretty much like a failure to appear for court uh-huh. uh, for their minor son. And the court date that he had missed had actually been months beforehand. I mean, it was nowhere near the time that the, the police officers arrived um, at my client's house. Um, my client's 
were very cooperative. It was a 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. The, the police officers actually woke them up. Uh-huh. Um, the dogs were in the house. They were barking. My client lives on a, uh, about 17 acres in very rural Frederick County. Um, not a lot of neighbors. He doesn't have a fenced yard. You know, his dog is never on a leash. They all kind of run around. Sure. And he told the police officers, let me just put my dogs outside. Let me, you know, because the kennel is around the side of the house. He put the dog out, you know, let the dogs out the back back of the house. Um, the dog, of course, came around the side of the house, saw the police officers and their vehicles in the in the driveway, started barking, as any dog would, to announce the presence of, you know, people that they don't know on the property. Sure. And within a matter of seconds, the, the police officers shot the dog and actually shot the dog in the back of the shoulder. So you know, we know that the dog was turned around from the police officer at the time it was shot. Wow. Um, my client was actually walking around the side of the house at the exact moment. He was calling the dog to come back, and the, I mean, the dog was turning around. It's a very obedient dog, really loving dog. The dog was nowhere near the police officers. Yeah. And well, so, you know, we feel it was just a, a case of, you know, this is what they're trained to do. They're trained to, to shoot animals at first, at first contact, and we don't sure. feel it's acceptable. Sure. And, you know, uh, thank God the dog lived. How, oh, yeah. How, how, what's, the, what's its name? Oh, her name is Brandy. Brandy, okay. How's, and, yeah, my, cl- my clients um, really spared no expense. And, you know, and they, they, they immediately got the dog um, wrapped up in blankets and rushed the dog. Actually, they were still in their pajamas, and they oh. rushed the dog to the emergency hospital, got the dog stabilized, um, then took the dog to the regular, the regular vet and did emergency surgery. Um, and then over the next few months, you know, cared for the dog, for Brandy, pretty much 24 hours a day. Um, sure. You know, took off time from work to care for her, changing bandages, giving medication. Um, they are huge dog lovers. They have multiple dogs. And they, I mean, they've had Brandy since she was a puppy. And sure. so they did everything they could to save her. Yeah, and they, it sounds like they have the, uh, the land to support <laughs> multiple animals. They do, and that's partly why they live out there because they allow their they want their dogs to be able to run free and have a have a happy home. Sure. Now you know we have it. It really only takes, and I'm not commenting on the case or anything like that, but it, it takes one you know trigger happy cop to make it bad for all the rest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, by and large, uh, I think. Uh, with the amount of animals that are in the United States and, you know, 71 million households have pets, I'm quite sure that some of those 71 million are cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, you know, so so you, we don't want to paint a bad picture about police in this particular instance. No, I mean, for us, it's we understand that, you know, police officers have to do their job, and there are times when they are in situations where they, you know, need to take certain action. Our concern more is the use of lethal force immediately right. on a dog. Um, you know, police officers are trained to use less than lethal force on humans. Right. Um, and they can receive the same training for dogs. Okay. Um, and I think... You know, there is a certain level of training that the, the police officers can receive on how, how do you interact with a family pet? Because, I mean, Brandy is a member of the family, as many dogs are. Sure. Um, and it's not a, she is not a replaceable piece of property, as, you know, my dogs are not replaceable, and most, most people's dogs are a member of the family, and you shouldn't be 
you know, you, I think they have to think a little bit more how is this going to affect the family than just getting rid of that piece of property. Sure, absolutely. You know, and that's one thing, and we can save this for an, another discussion. Uh, the law, by and large, treats animals as property, period. Exactly, yeah. And, and I, th- I think a lot of people might not understand that. And do you know of anything uh, going on right now to change that? Well, I mean, I think the court systems are starting to see that, um, that animals are not just solely a piece of property. I mean, in Maryland, there is specifically a statute that um, doesn't, doesn't just make an animal uh, a value of an animal based on the replacement value, but is based on, um, it kind of has a cap of the types of damages that you can get for an animal. Uh-huh. Um, but it's in addition to the common law, which would make the value of the animal replaceable. But it still is capped, and, um, and it is based solely on the actual damages of the animal. So if you know, the court doesn't see the animal as worth that much or doesn't think that you're the, you know, the vet bills that you paid or other damages are worth that much, then you're still going to be limited. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I know that, you know, the, the, especially I think this is coming up very commonly in divorce cases uh-huh. um, where courts are starting to recognize that they have to deal with um, family pets as a member of the family that have, and you have to kind of figure out, um, you know, who's going to have, who's going to be able to take care of that animal? Um, how are we going to pay for the animal? Who's going to have, is someone going to have visitation rights? Um, and I think in family law cases a lot is where you're going to start looking at uh, family, or as dogs and cats and other family pets as more member of the family and not just a piece of property that can be sold or divided equally between both sides. Sure. I mean, there's, there's got to be custody battles and everything else. There that, are, yes. You know, <laughs> absolutely. And, and some people that don't have pets, I'm sure they think it's a joke, but it's, it's not. No, it's not. It's okay. really not a joke. I mean, people, you know, it's just me and Butch. And we're here by ourselves. And when we go from here to the studio, to home, to everywhere else, he's with me everywhere I go. Well, and I think that that's very true, is that, you know, if a dog has grown up with both, you know, let's say, uh, you know, husband and wife, and the, the spouses get divorced, you know, they, they recognize that someone is missing. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, both there's, I think there's an attachment between the dog and the owner but there's also attachment between the owner and the dog. I mean, there, it's a vice versa attachment. It's like you can't just all of a sudden say, oh, well, we're going to sell this dog and give you the value of that dog so that each party gets an equal amount. Yeah. I mean, you, you really can't do that. No, no, that's for sure. Well, I understand here. we got a couple of quick minutes here, and I understand that you are not only doing this because, uh, because you're an attorney, but because you have an affinity for pets and animals yourself. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience? Oh, I do. Well, I love, I love animals. I mean, I grew up, of course, with dogs and cats. Um, but uh, since meeting my husband, we've been married for, I guess, about a little, we just had our third anniversary, so three years. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. We actually <laughs> say we were kind of like the Brady Bunch because I came with two cats and a horse, and he came with two dogs and a horse. Oh, my gosh, that's great. <laughs> and so we combined our families and um, 
since then, you know, we've had a couple animals pass, and then we've gotten new ones, but we... We have grown our animal family. We now have two Norwegian elk hounds, uh, Stella and Cooper. Stella is about a year and a half, and Cooper's three. Um, We've got two house cats who we've had for a couple of years, and we actually just a couple of weeks ago got three barn cats. Oh, wow. (laughs) um, Because we live on a farm, and Uh we also have our two horses on the farm, and then we board other people's horses. Well, that is outstanding. Yeah, so we have a, where our whole day is just surrounded by and focused actually around animals. My getting up in the morning is so I can go feed the horses and feed the dogs and feed the cats. And (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like I end up, you know, caring for the animals more than myself and my house. Well, Rebecca, I mean, that's fantastic. And I'll tell you what, since you have so much experience, with this, I would love to be able to call on you when this come legal issues come up from time to time. Would that be okay? Oh, of course. I'd love to continue to be on your show. Oh, that would be great. Well, Rebecca, I want to thank you for being with us today and your insight. And I look forward to talking to you soon. I look forward to uh, continuing our legal conversation. Absolutely. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. I think Rebecca will add a unique perspective on some of our conversations and legal issues you're listening to the my buddy butch talk show on the mbb radio network (laughs) soldiers returning with traumatic brain injuries or other serious battle wounds often spend weeks or months in a va hospital or other rehab facility dvds for vets is collecting dvds and portable players for distribution in our community and nationwide many of us take for granted our access to everyday enjoyments and dvds for vets needs your help in giving these injured soldiers some diversions from the monotony of a hospital stay during recovery to donate new or used dvds or to learn more about this worthy cause please go to www.dvdsforvets.org confessions of a potentially perfect parent brought to you by adoptuskids.org i don't know how to talk like a parent don't make me come back there you see what i mean it's pretty awful try to get don't make me come back there now that's pretty good that one kind of sound like my dad weird you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent there are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information a message from the u.s department of health and human services adopt us kids in the ad council Okay, mbbradio.com is the website, and also Butch, email Butch at mybuddybutch.com, and we'll get your emails in here. I think we got to cover a few later on in the show. Um, one of the things I mentioned uh, previously was the all the blackbirds and the fish dying off all over the world, <laughs> okay, and uh, a lot of people not buying that story. Well, there's another theory out. And this theory actually comes from the poles shifting. Now, we've heard, you know, you've seen on TV and some of the channels, the History Channel. I love to watch the History Channel, National Geographic, and everything else. The poles shifting. And everybody's targeting this, this December 21st, 2012, because the Mayan calendar and the Aztec calendar end on that day and nobody knows what's going to happen and all this stuff well on my calendar on my uh computer calendar i did put uh uh, a little note on there not to schedule me after december 21st 2012 for anything until we see what's gonna happen (laughs) 
<laughs> I might be busy. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, there is some validity to the magnetic pole shifting issue. Uh, this past week, um, Fox News reported, and it was in all the national news, that the, that the planet's magnetic uh, north pole shifting forces the runways, forces a runway to close, runway closures at Florida airport. Now, this airport, I believe, is Tampa. This Tampa International Airport was forced to readjust its runways, okay, about a week ago. And, you know, this is something, I guess, that it happens. Magnetic pole shifts happen on occasion, and but not quite to this magnitude. So, I don't know, you know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I haven't seen this. Uh, for it to shift that much, that quickly, I don't know, Butch. We're going to have to get, maybe we'll have to get the helmets out and line them with tinfoil or something. <laughs> we love your pet almost as much as you do here on the My Buddy Butch Talk Show. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. You know why? Because they think it would be embarrassing if it were a false alarm. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. That's ridiculous. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. What are we talking about? Tinfoil and hats and everything else going on? <laughs> No, the tinfoil, that's actually if the government's following you, you have to put tinfoil in your hat so that so that the satellites can't track you. That's what that's from. What do we got the last couple times? Wax lips, tinfoil in hats. What else are we talking about here? <laughs> well, we're having a good time. We hope you are too. Um, MBB Radio, I think I mentioned that, mbbradio.com. And the Chronicle, actually, also uh, is the newsletter. You can sign up for that. Now, our My Buddy Butch Extra, which happens Thursday night, 7 p.m., is going to be moving uh, directly to mbbradio.com in February. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back on the other side with Melanie Brooks. You're listening to the My Buddy Butch Talk Show with your host, Jeff Marginian, on the MBB Radio Network. Melanie Brooks is the author of a great series of books called the Spencer Nation series, and they are absolutely fabulous. They're, they're terrifically put together, very well done, very well illustrated by Amy Jacobson, uh, and Melanie has some things going on now that we can all get excited about. Melanie, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. I love being with you. <laughs> great. Well, we love to have you. And uh, I understand that you actually, since the last time we talked in the summer last year, you had another release. 
Yes, we did. We actually um, we released the fourth and fifth books in the Spencer Nation series, which were about El Paso, Texas, um, one in English and one in Spanish. And we went to El Paso and spent some time down there in November kicking off the books and having some food drives and spending some time at the food bank. That was quite fun. Great. Uh, we also, in the fall, kicked off a whole new series of books for toddlers. Um, so we, we went to the same four cities, and we have written a book now that is basically um, pictures, very few words, intended to be for, like, the two- and three-year-old set. Okay. And so these are children's books. Now, before we get into uh, uh, a little bit more about the books and everything, and I want to talk about this great thing that's, that's happening with uh, Pepsi for uh, voting and everything. We're going to get the listeners to get out there and vote. Um, tell us a little bit about your background again. Uh, well, my background is um, in healthcare. I have spent most of my life working in hospitals, um, trying to make healthcare better. But my, my passion has always been um, child hunger, especially child hunger in this country. So I have some um, God given talents for creativity. And I have kind of used those with my passion and all the support from my children to produce this series of books uh, where the proceeds go back to the local communities into programs to feed hungry children. Um, it's been exciting. It's been fun. We've met a lot of wonderful people. Um, and so that's really where I like to direct my efforts these days. Okay, that's great. Um, it's a noble cause. We have a lot of hungry children in this country, which is sad to say. Uh, it is amazing we have a lot of hungry children, and it's amazing how many people don't know that we have hungry children in this country. That's right, um, and I agree. No, I agree 100% uh, with what you're saying because, you know, I hear about it uh, because, you know, I'm in a little bit different business naturally. We're always combing the news. We're always seeing stuff happening. But it's something that uh, I think, by and large, a lot of people, now I don't know, I don't want to say take for granted, but, I, or I don't even want to say ignore it, but I just want to, I guess what, I want, what I'm trying to say is they don't realize it because it's not in front of them enough on a daily basis. Right. And, well, and they're looking for, you know, we see the news pictures from Africa or Central America. And, and we're looking for that concept of starvation, you know, naked little children with big bellies out on the streets and whatever. Mm -hmm. And these children are in our schools. I mean, they go to school because we have a great public education system. Um, and so they're just, they may be in your child's brownie scout troop, or they may be in your church or in some other community organization, and they don't have that look of hunger that we associate with, with a hungry child. Sure. And, yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, you know, there are a lot of uh, community efforts and there are a lot of other efforts nationally that are, that are trying to uh, attack this, this problem. And your book series is, is one of those efforts. And tell us a little bit about, uh, like, some of the proceeds and everything else, uh, the whole Spencer Nation series concept that you have going on. Well, we actually um, spent, uh, we have several different, um, I guess, directions that we try to come at the, the hunger issue from. 
Um, we, we go to a city and we research and we develop a story about that city and our illustrator visits and she does the illustrations and we put together these books and the books, uh, the proceeds from the books go back to the local food bank um, for those programs. But, um, but on the other side, we also go into the communities when we launch these books. We um, visit schools. We help them create fundraisings. We have a whole guide for how to create a food drive. And so we encourage them to have food drives. We keep up with the number of cans they collect and, um, and post them on our website. And we talk to them and to their parents about the problem of hungry children, as well as read the book and take Spencer to visit and, you know, all the fun things that go with it. Um, and then we have a nonprofit organization, an arm of Spencer Nation called Operation Hungry Child, which goes out and applies for grants and solicits money, and those funds go directly into targeted programs, mm-hmm. um, like a backpack program to provide children with food for the weekend, or a breakfast program in the summer when the children aren't in school. Um, those funds are directed to specific programs as opposed to a food bike. Okay. So we try to come at it from a number of different avenues. Um, I think our overall goal is really to raise awareness mm-hmm. and to make people understand that, you know, we look out for the rest of the world, but we need to kind of look out for ourselves first. That's right. I agree. I couldn't agree more because there are, we have problems here at home and, you know, nothing against the other countries that, that in many cases, you know, they can't or won't help themselves. Uh, but we have issues here that we need to uh, take care of. I mean, you know, one of, the, one of the basic things as far as even having a pet is the fact that if you're sick, if you're, something's wrong with you, if you can't take care of yourself and you're not in, in condition, in any kind of condition to take care of anything else, you have to nourish yourself. You have to... Uh, you have to be well in order to help others that are around you. And I look at that in a larger sense for the country. You know, we have to be well as a country. It's great to help these other countries and everything else. But guess what? If we're sick and we're dying, then we can't help anybody, including ourselves. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. And a lot of the, the problems that we all see and acknowledge in our country they're not going to be fixed by making sure people are properly fed, but it could be helped. I mean, children would, would get more out of school. They would be better able to participate in school activities and in education. So we might have taxed the dropout rate, and then we would have dropped the welfare rate or the crime rate. So all those things that happen when people aren't fulfilled in their life, and we don't know how much of that comes because they're so inadequately nourished that they're really not able to learn and then that frustration finds, you know, drugs or alcohol or homelessness or, you know, who knows. And so all of those other socioeconomic problems that we talk about in this country have a root in the hungry, um, hungriness of our children. Absolutely. I can, and there's, there is a common thread that runs through all of that. I mean, how many of these kids are worrying about what they're, if they're going to be able to even eat dinner after school or where their next meal is coming from? Or they don't want to leave, you know, school to go home because they know that there's nothing there. Well, and we have we, we sponsor a number of after-school um, feeding programs through the Kids Cafe program, which um, helps children with their homework and plays with them in the afternoon and then feeds them a hot meal before we send them home at night. 
and we see children in those programs. They, they have this hot dinner and, and a glass of milk, and but we see them stuffing um, things in their pockets to take home uh-huh. because they know there's nothing at home. Yeah. You know, and it's really sad to watch that um, because that's just the way they live. It's oh. a survival mentality. Yeah. And most of us can't imagine living like that. Sure. And that's true, and it's it's a shame, again, that a country as rich as we are uh, can help uh, more of the kids have a decent meal and have something uh, to take home, as you say, with them. It, it is difficult. It's, it's hard, I'm sure, for you to see this, and you're doing everything that you possibly can, and let's see if we can't... Uh, lend a hand here and get, get some of the word out. And I understand that you folks are involved in uh, Pepsi, uh, a Pepsi program here where we need to go out and vote, right? Yes, we are. We're very excited. We, um, we made the finals of the Pepsi Refresh campaign this month. Um, every month, Pepsi goes through and pulls from their portfolios community programs that they think are worthy and they put them out there and they ask the public to tell them which are most important. Um, and then money is awarded based on um, the type of project you have. And when you go to the, and when you enter your, your project in the Pepsi portfolio, you have to like completely substantiate it. Goals, objectives, a budget, you know, how you're going to staff it, your timelines. And, and the, these are tagged to specific amounts of money. And um, the top vote getters at the end of the month win that amount of money, no strings attached, to fund their project. Wow. So there are a lot of, obviously, a lot of worthy projects in this country um, and a lot of people, good-hearted people, working very hard for things. Okay. So we felt privileged to be part of that group. Okay. Now, what's, how long does this program run? We, we, are, we are in this program until the end of January. Okay. Um, if we are among the top vote-getters but do not win, we are automatically rolled over till February. Okay. So, but we're trying to do this as if January is our drop-dead date. Okay. You know, we don't, we don't want to hold back. We want to put everything we can into it this month. Sure. And um, what is the... Do you have the website handy where people can go? Sure. Sure. The website is uh, refresheverything.com. Okay. Refresheverything.com. And it's right. a program run by Pepsi. And right. we're, we're going to put this up uh, not only on our news blog, but on the after show blog where people can go and uh, vote. And you can and the vote. way to get to us, Dan, would be um, refresheverything.com forward slash Spencer Nation. Okay. Spencer Nation, S P E N S E R Nation. And that'd be. Okay, that's perfect. I'll, I'll definitely. Go ahead. Right. Go that ahead. gets you directly to our project. Great. Um, and then you can, I mean, you, you're allowed 10 votes every day to vote for 10 projects. Okay. And there certainly are lots of um, really noble projects out there. So, you know, vote for us and then go peruse and find nine others that deserve your votes as well. Great. Um, there are lots of projects that are designed for pet lovers. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, homeless pets. There are abandoned pets. There are all kinds of pet rescue organizations and new pet facilities. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there are things for all kinds of people. Okay, great. Um, great. And the Spencer Nation, uh, a lot of your proceeds go towards your, your cause, right? Absolutely. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. All of our proceeds go into the to the local to the local food bank okay. to fund their feeding programs. Okay. And where can people find you online? At spencernation.com. Okay. Spencernation.com. We'll have that up on the blog as well. Got about 15 seconds here. Can you tell us what's coming up for you? We're, we're hoping to launch Spencer's America, which is the next book in the series, and is expected to launch on Fourth of July weekend. So we're kind of shooting all of our guns at that right now. Fantastic. Well, Melanie, I appreciate you being with us. I want you to keep me posted on everything going on. Uh, you know, come back and talk to us again. Okay, we certainly will. Thank you so much for having us. I'm Marie Osmond. Choices, some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. Boy, she's a lot of work. I don't think we were prepared for this when we decided to have her. If we could just find someone to help teach her the basics. Yeah, like getting her house broken. Naturally curious and eager to learn, puppies can't teach themselves. Visit the American Kennel Club's website at www.akc.org to find local clubs and get advice on training and training classes and help your puppy become the very best she can be. A message from the American Kennel Club and new puppies everywhere. This is the My Buddy Butch Talk Show, live from Bora Bora. Bora Bora, what I wouldn't give to be in Bora Bora right now. Middle of January, up to my keister in snow, (laughs) all over the country. (laughs) So here we are. Um, Yeah, Melanie Brooks doing a fantastic job with uh, her series. The Spencer Nation. Check that out. And uh, if you know any little ones that are learning to read, it's a great educational series that she did. So I recommend it very highly. And here, listen to this. Here, I'll, I'll do it again. That's Butch's Bell. And later on in the show, I am going to tell you how I taught Butch to ring this bell when he wants to go outside. It's not that hard, but it might take some time, a few weeks, to teach him how to ring that bell. Now, when he was little, originally, we had a bell around the door. And every time the door would open, that bell would ring. So he finally caught on... That when the door opens, the bell rings, so he learned to ring the bell himself. How about that? It's the My Buddy Butch Radio Talk Show with your hosts, Jeff Marginian and Butch. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Some students are tackling more than just their schoolwork, which is why more than 30% of them aren't graduating. But with a boost from you, 100% of them will have a better chance to make it to graduation. Go to BoostUp.org to find out how to give the high school students in your community the boost they need to make it through. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. MBBRadio.com is the website and also MyBuddyButch.com. 
Send Butch an email at butch at mybuddybutch.com. And also check out The Chronicle, our newsletter. Sign up for that. And we'll get back with you right after this. Okay. Butch's Bell. Now let's talk about this. (laughs) What I did... When Butch was a puppy, is I hung a bell around the doorknob. Okay, now you can do this with any kind of bell that will ring, even one of those uh, jingle strips. You know, like Christmas, it's got all those little bells on it, the closed type bells. You can hang it from the doorknob and leave it there. You don't even have to ring it on purpose. When you go outside, the same door that you let your dog out, and even your cat, if you, if you let your cat out, although we try, to not, we try to tell people not to let their cats outside because they kill the birds. But anyway, <laughs> whatever kind of pet you have, they could learn to ring this bell. And you can make the bell. doesn't matter how big your dog is. It could be a chihuahua or a chihuahua. <laughs> Make it long. Put a piece of string on it down to where they're at. Okay. Butch is big enough. He can get on his hind legs and and hit the doorknob. But this bell hung down just a little bit further than that. So he would ring that bell. He learned that when I opened the door, that bell rang. So it didn't take him long to pick up the fact that if he rings that bell, I'll know he wants outside. Okay. So we went on like that for a long time, a couple of years, okay? Then, I forget what show I was watching. I was watching some show. It must have been one of the, uh, like, the America's Funniest Home Videos or something, where there was this little white dog sitting by the door ringing that bell over and over and over. And it was one of those desk bells. That's what this is. It's one of those bells like in the hotels, you know, or like a counter somewhere. You ring the bell and, you know, bellhop. Hey, service. It's a service bell. You can pick these up anywhere. You can get them at uh, Office Max or you can pick them up at Walmart for cheap. Two, three bucks, four bucks. If you get one that's over four bucks, you're getting into, you're getting into, uh, designer bells (laughs) but they're really cheap okay so what i did was (coughs) i left excuse me by the way i missed the cough button i left the original bell around the door knob and i put this on the floor next to the door right next to the door i mean just outside the molding there, okay? So every time I would go out the door, when I opened it, the doorknob bell would ring, and I'd kick this bell with my foot. And I'd open the door, and we'd go out. Now, after a while, about a week of both bells being one on the doorknob and this small bell down by the side of the door... He removed the one from the doorknob, and then he knows, hey, this is the only bell that I can, you know, let him know that I got to go outside. 
So he did it. I mean, he started ringing this bell. Now he rings this bell all the time. And uh, the other bell won't, the other bell will, may scratch. In my case, it scratched the door, <laughs> okay, where it was hanging because it was a, like a cow bell. Not that big. It was like a goat bell, maybe a little smaller. But uh, the only drawback to it is he learned that every time he rings this bell, not only does he go outside, but I get up out of the chair, his chair, the only chair, he's allowed to do it. So now every time he wants me out of the chair, he rings the bell, I get up, he gets in. So that's it for this week. I hope you learned something. Join us again next time right here. And please visit us at MyBuddyButch.com for more information and the best after show blog in the world. All content of the show is the property of the Gemar Entertainment Corporation and may not be rebroadcast in any form without express written consent from Gemar Entertainment. Goodbye for now, and please watch your step. <laughs>